Praise the Lord. Um, this evening, uh, we're going to continue with our discussion on um, praise as one of the steps that um, uh, we should take as believers to receive miracles from God. Um, it's also very uh, essential for me to remind you all over again that we are not trying to convince God to do something here but we are stretching out our hands to receive what God has already done. The Bible says that the grace of God which brings salvation has appeared unto all men. So there is no such thing as um, you being excluded or you think that there is something there's something that makes you disqualified for God not to have stretched his hands towards you. But in Christ Jesus, the grace of God has appeared unto us all. But um, evidently, we don't see the grace of God upon everybody on the earth today. Simply because not everyone has responded appropriately to this grace. But make no mistake about it, the grace of God has appeared unto everyone. So, um, what we are here to discuss today is how to receive that grace into our lives so that it will be evident in what we are doing and in our situations. Amen. Amen. Then also, I want to um, <coughs> highlight something here again, which is that we were talking uh, last week about coming into the presence of God coming into the holy of holies, the holiest of all, to meet with God, coming in boldness to meet with God and to get our situations on the outside that are contrary to the will of God reversed in our favor, no matter how um, formidable they appear to us. And I would also want to remind you that in this place, the holiest of all, the power of God is absolute and it is a place where the activity of God is evident. And what you will see in the Old Testament was that people went through all sorts of protocol, like, you know, washing their hands, washing their feet, washing their faces, you know, and sacrificing animals and all the rest until the high priest eventually made it into the holiest of all to, you know, negotiate the atonement of sins for that particular year on behalf of the nation but as soon as he got into that place that place was the very presence of god where the cloud of glory you know would even descend upon you know and all sorts of activities will be taking place there and same with us as well the moment we come into the presence of God we make our way into the presence of God we have come to a place where the activity of God is total where things begin to happen by God that are not by our own hands so but what we're discussing here are things that can usher us into that very presence of God things that can make it conducive for God's power to be evident in our lives so i just want to uh, remind us of that that um, it's not about us convincing god 
that he should come and do something for us but it is about us coming boldly into the presence of god based on what he has already done for us and taking laying hold on what already belongs to us even though the situations on the outside are to the contrary um i will just continue by uh, reading uh, two more scriptures as a follow-up to what we finished uh, what we dealt with last week and then read this, uh, one or two stories in the old testament and examples of people who praised god where we left off was that praising god is one response that god expects of us when we have believed him for something and when the opportunity for us to appropriate what we have believed him for has not yet um, been manifested hallelujah so we were looking at the life of the fig tree and we know that so many of these things that happened in the old testament and even in the gospels jesus was using them as lessons was using them as parallels to teach us profound um, spiritual truth so everything that happened to the fig tree was for a reason was to teach us spiritual lessons it wasn't just for fun it didn't cause the fig tree for fun everything had a significance it had a significance when the bible said that he was hungry because that hunger there then gives us a clue that if he wanted something he had an expectation when he came to the tree and that expectation was not met and we see from psalm 50 that he said if i were hungry it so it wasn't really talking about physical things he was talking about what he wanted and that was thanksgiving and praise in the midst of your situations hallelujah so i'll just go to those um scriptures now and uh we read through them just to um strengthen uh what we started off with um last week hallelujah uh, let's turn to habakkuk chapter 3 habakkuk chapter 3 we read verses 17 to 19 it says although the fig tree shall blossom neither shall fruit be in the vines the labor of the olive shall fail and the fields shall yield no meat the flock shall be cut off from the fold and there shall be no herd in the stalls so all these statements describe negativity all these statements describe that your expectations have not yet been met all these sta uh, statements describe the fact that nothing has changed in your life that you are happy about so all these things point to the fact that we have not yet seen productivity you have put everything into what should be done and nothing has come out of it but verse 18 goes to say that yet i will rejoice in the lord i will joy in the god of my salvation and if you go back to mark 11 he says the time of fig was not yet so it means that the season that yet period between when you prayed and when something has uh is going to manifest god expects us to be rejoicing in his presence and to be praising him and then verse 19 says that the lord god is my strength and he will make my feet like hind's feet and he will make me to walk upon my high places so we see here that the activity of god becomes total and absolute the moment you come into that season of praise that he takes over from that point and he begins to you know orchestrate all the seasons and orchestrate things that happen to you from that point and then let's go 
um, over again to Psalm 50 and just to make sure we have that uh, review before we move on Psalm 50 verses 12 to 15 it says if I were hungry remember I said Jesus was hungered I will not tell thee for the world is mine and the fullness thereof will I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble I will deliver thee and thou shall glorify me and then this is how you glorify God verse 23 says whosoever offereth praise glorifieth me and to him that ordereth his conversation aright will I show the salvation of God and then if you go to Psalm 5 uh, verses 11 and 12 he says but let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee for thou lord will bless the righteous and with favor will thou compass him as with a shield so you see here again that god is saying that the expression of your trust in him is that you are rejoicing even before you see the blessing and before you see the favor um manifest hallelujah but then today we're just going to progress further by looking at examples of people who praised god in the time of trouble and in the time of need and let's see what happened to them and uh, we're going to check that out in second chronicles uh, chapter 20 second chronicles chapter 20 and um, we're going to see how certain people here activated the power of god through praises from verse 1 he says it came to pass after this also that the children of moab and the children of ammon and with them other beside the ammonites came against jehoshaphat to battle then there came some that told jehoshaphat saying there cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side syria and behold they be in Hazanontama, which is Engedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. Now let's look at something here. Jehoshaphat was a king um, over here in you know Israel. And then the Bible says that a great multitude they brought news to him that a great multitude had come against him from beyond the sea. And he had an idea of the capability of these people now first of all we read here that there were three countries that came against him the children of moab the children of ammon and also the he said the children of moab children of ammon and with them other beside the ammonites so there were actually uh, three nations really that had come against them now they brought the news to him now we as readers don't know the power of these nations or the capability of these nations but the way we will have an idea of what these nations could have done against the train of israel is when we read verse 3 and pay attention to it he says and jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the lord 
so we see here that there are situations that can come in a man's life that will cause him to fear there are situations that can come to you that can potentially unsettle you and make you you know fear that oh something bad is about to happen or that an outcome that is negative is about to come out of this and then so we see that he feared so this was natural this was human so there are things that people can hear there are things that a man can hear and he would begin to fear thinking that a negative outcome is about to come out of this let me give you another example there was a man that came to meet jesus and he said can you come over and pray for my daughter but while they were going to his house jesus had to sort out some other cases that he met on the way and then before we knew what was happening some people came from the man's house and they said trouble not the master any further because your daughter is now dead so the moment i mean why did the man go to meet jesus is so that jesus could do something about the situation before it became you know irreparable before he became before the situation gets to a point where he would think that there is nothing that can be done about it anymore and when these people came they brought news to him that look she is dead which means that look she has gone to a point where the situation is no longer reversible so don't trouble god any longer and they brought that news but jesus said something to this man jesus did not hush up what he was doing and say oh yeah, yeah, yeah let's run to the place let's run to the place let's run, run 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 no jesus turned to the man in question and said fear not only believe that look if this situation is going to be addressed two things have to happen number one you fear not number two you only believe but here we see in verse 3 the bible says that and jehoshaphat feared but how did he address that fear because jehoshaphat did not have jesus you know right before him that could have calmed him down because jesus calmed that man down that fear not mm -mm -mm, fear not only believe but jesus was not here to calm jehoshaphat down in person so what did jehoshaphat decide to do the bible says that jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the lord so it means that whenever you come into a situation of potential fear your first response really if the fear i mean the fear is tangible and it has come to you is that you seek the lord so what he did was that he sought the lord and the bible said that he proclaimed a fast throughout all judah and the bible says that and judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the lord even out of all the cities of judah they came to seek the lord now while we are while we are on that in uh, chronicles chapter 20 let's quickly turn to hebrews chapter 4 
Hebrews chapter 4. And see what our own situation is supposed to be. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. It says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So we see here in Second Chronicles 20 that these people set themselves to seek God's face. And the Bible says that the children of Judah gathered together to ask help of the Lord. So there is nothing wrong with asking help of the Lord when situations that can potentially bring fear to the heart of a man crop up. And in verse 16, Hebrews 4, it says, Let us therefore come boldly. So it means that in the midst of fear that is attacking you, from the outside in the midst of fear that is attacking you from external situations the bible says that we should come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy mercy means that something that we don't deserve so we are obtaining something we don't deserve and he says and find grace to help something we did not ask for to help in time of need so when we are in a time of need our destination must always be the presence of god that let us come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need and then let's just go back to our major text in second chronicles chapter 20 so these guys uh, were obeying the word of the lord there which was that something that would potentially bring fear into their hearts they responded by going into the presence of god to ask help of the lord and to seek the lord now let us read verse 5 and jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of uh, in the congregation of judah and jerusalem in the house of the lord before the new court so this is god's presence that we're talking about here and said "O lord god of our fathers this is worship he was extolling the name of god had thou had not thou god in heaven and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen so when they got into the presence of god they didn't just start praying and start shouting they started with worshiping him and praising him and in thy hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee see no mention of their trouble here no mention of the situation here all they were doing was praising him and worshiping him and not thou our god who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel and giveth it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And they dwelt therein and have built a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If when evil cometh upon us as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then 
thou will hear and help. So you see, what he, what he did here was to now bring back into remembrance that, look, there is a sanctuary that was built where God covenanted with them that if they stand there and in the midst of trouble, when evil comes to them, that when they stand there, that and when they ask for help and cry up to God, when they stand there, ask for help and cry up to God, uh, cry up to God, that God will help them. Hallelujah. So this, you know, was a place where they were still. They were. This man was leading them in prayer, and he had spent quite a fair bit of time praising God and worshiping God and calling to remembrance the activities of God in their past. And then he went on to say, And now, behold, so you see, between verse 5 and verse 9, no mention of the situation that brought fear into the heart of Jehoshaphat. All he had done was to remind himself and remind everybody of the covenant that God had with them. And then he now says, and now behold. So he then came to the prayer point after he had reminded his, himself and his people and rehearsed what God had done in their past and things that had happened in their past to the children of Israel. In fact, the things that he was rehearsing here did not even happen in his own generation. They happened in previous generations but in those were stories that were told from generation to generation and when it was time to seek the help of god he rehearsed those things in the presence of god and then he went on to say the train of ammon moab and Seir, whom thou would not let israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. Now, what the things in the new covenant, the promises of the new covenant are your inheritance. So your inheritance is health, your inheritance is prosperity. Your inheritance is favor. Your inheritance is progress. Your inheritance is long life. So any attack against it is similar to this one. He said these people have come to cast us out of the things that you gave us as inheritance. So every activity of the enemy that takes any of these things away from you is just like this same one. That the enemy has come to steal that inheritance from you. He says, which thou hast given us to inherit. Not, we are not going to ask him afresh that, Lord, can you make up your mind whether you want to give us this healing or you want to give me this job? No. Those things belong to us by inheritance. Through the death of Jesus Christ. So any attack against it, it is the thief. Who wants to come and steal it from us? So he was now reporting that, look, these people want to steal this inheritance from us. O our God, will thou not judge them? 
For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. So it means that you have a bunch of enemies. You have a bunch of situations that have circled you round about. Now you are talking of three enemies here. So it's like one enemy has come and is, you know, attacking the health. Another enemy has come attacking, you know, attacking uh, your finances. Another enemy has come attacking something else. And all the three of them, you can't even handle them on your own at the same time. It says we have no might against this great company. Neither know we what to do are you in a situation today where you don't have any might against it you don't have any power against it does the letters are coming and you don't have the power to stop those letters you don't know what to do against those things and you don't i mean you just can't figure out who to call what phone calls to make i see in this society they've still up things such a way that you, you know you know maybe in nigeria you know there's the man no man syndrome where okay the, you know you are faced with one situation then you think of one of your uncles that you know somewhere who knows one person then who knows one allergy somewhere that will connect you you know and avert that situation but here in this country everything just comes in through the post by letter everything and you don't even know who to call you call you just hear somebody in india talking to you and cannot help your situation so so what do you what where are you going to turn to what are you going to do you know they <laughs> yes if i remember you know i came on a visit to this country and um that was many years ago. I tried to. I wanted to go and open an account. I believed God that I would open an account. So I walked into this bank. What was it? Northwest. So I brought out my documents, you know, and with my Nigerian English, said uh, I've come here to open an account. And I thought the woman was singing. You know, I felt. You know, when I heard her response, I thought she was singing. Maybe she didn't hear what I was saying, and she was singing. Then I repeated what I said again, and I heard the same thing. And I thought it was actually a song. That she was singing. So it was when I repeated again. And this, it was then I was able to catch what she was saying. Sorry, I can help you. <laughs> to be honest, I thought she was singing. And I just looked. I said, what do you mean by you can't help me? I said, I've come to open. And I I'm sorry, I can help you. <sighs> okay. <-o. laughs> and then I left. As I walked out of the bank like this, I just said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I know I have prayed to open this account. Lord, I thank you. Because when one door closes, another will open. You are the one who opens and no man shut it. You are the one who shuts and no man opens. So, okay, so this is Northwest. What's the name of the next one? Barclays. Okay, let's go into Barclays. I said, by the time I go into one of them, one by one, the Holy Ghost will sort something out here. <laughs> You know, and thankfully Barclays opened. But the point was that it was like I met with a wall of resistance that I could do nothing about. There was nothing I could say to convince her to change her mind about that situation. So you are confronted with situations today that you don't even know what to do. You don't even have power against those situations. You applied for something and they say, alright, we'll get back to you in three days, three working days, and just see the letter come through in the post. Fial, sorry, you have been rejected. No right of appeal. Okay. So <laughs> you don't know what else to do.
<coughs> Hallelujah. Amen. But here, that was the same situation they were confronted with. That they didn't know what step to take. If they knew what step to take, I don't think they would have hung on there praying. They would have carried their bows and arrows and they would have gone quick to fight. So they didn't know what to do. So let's read on. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones. Second Chronicles 20, reading from verse 13. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children. Then upon Jahaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jehiel, and the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken ye, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid, nor dismayed. What did Jesus say to that man? He said, Be not afraid, fear not, only believe. So, this is the same thing that God is saying to them through that prophecy. That be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude. So, the first thing that God dislodged there is that despise the opposition. Be not afraid of this great multitude. This is a great multitude. They will, literally, they will snuff the life out of them. As long as you respect the opposition, you give God no chance to move. So the first thing he told them, despise the opposition. Reduce the opposition to nothing first. Inside your heart. Because fear is inside the heart. He said, be not afraid. Nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz. So God began to pass on to them instructions, divine intelligence as to where those people will be tomorrow. You shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. And he then went on to say that you shall not need to fight in this battle. Now, what does it mean by you shall not need to fight in this battle? It means that the natural resources that you depended on will no longer come into play here. That you are now to depend on God that you shall not need to fight that God is now going to take over this battle and he says set yourselves stand ye still and see the salvation of the Lord with you O Judah and Jerusalem fear not nor be dismayed tomorrow go out against them for the Lord will be with you and Jehoshaphat bowed his head and with with his face to the ground and all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord worshipping the Lord now let's get something clear here nothing has happened yet what were they doing they fell down before the Lord 
and were worshipping the Lord. They did not wait for their enemies to be conquered first and then be convinced that God is good before worshipping the Lord. But our own Christianity of today is that until we see, we don't start praising and worshipping Him. But this Christianity here is that they began to worship the Lord even though we still have not heard that these people have died. And now God has even made the thing more difficult, so to speak, by even saying that we should not go there tomorrow with bows and arrows. Even with our bows and arrows, at least, maybe we will still try small before they overcome us. But now God is now even saying the bows and arrows we should not even take. And we should go against them. So what did so what did now what did these people now use to go against them is what we're going to see next. Then Jahaz um then uh, let's go okay to um verse nineteen. And the Levites of the children of Kohathites and of the children of Kohites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. So you see that it wasn't Kele Kele praise. It was, you know, exuberant praise, loud praise that God has already done it. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord, and that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army to say, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. God said, Tomorrow, go against them. How did they go against them? By appointing singers to lead the procession. So they were praising God. That was how they went against them. How does God expect us to go against the enemy? By praising Him. We go out tomorrow praising the Lord. And as we go, and He says, Stand ye still and see the salvation of the Lord. You see, when you are praising God, something is happening. Remember, in Psalm 8 verse 2, He says that He has ordained praises. You know, he has ordained praises, you know, out of the mouth of babes, and you, you know, babes and sucklings, he's ordained praises to steal the hand of the avenger. So when you are praising God in the midst of situations that appear to be stronger than you, two things are happening. One, you are standing still in the presence of God. It steals your mind. It takes fear away. And two, it is also stealing, as in it is also paralyzing the hand of the avenger. So as you are praising God, your mind is being calmed down. That God's power is at work. And as you are praising God also, God's power is also going out 
against the enemy to paralyze their activity. So it's not just when we say we are praising God, we're not just you know psyching ourselves up. What we are doing is that we are releasing power in the realm of the spirit into our situations. And he went on to say that and when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord, can you see now? The Lord, not the people, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Manser. So that was the activity of God that kicked in. Many of us have not seen the activity of God kicking in our lives because we have not yet praised Him. We have not yet gone out against the enemy in the morrow to praise him. The Lord said, it means it was God's activity. There are things that will happen in your life and people will come. And they will say it clearly that men, it is God that must have done this. When Nicodemus came to Jesus, he said, no man can do these things except... God be with him. That's how people will have to come. I said, except God be with you, mm-hmm. you could never have done this. Mm-hmm. And this is how God can do things that will make people come to you to say and acknowledge that God is with you. And we'll see it here as we read on. He says that the children of Ammon, Moab, and Manser, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Manser, utterly to slay and destroy them. So that was the activity of God. Nothing to do with us. Nothing to do with the people. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy one another. And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked unto the multitude, and behold, they were dead bodies falling to the earth, and none escaped. So you see, this was the activity of God, and it was precise. None escaped. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. So you see, the story started with people coming to attack them. The story has now progressed from those people dying and you are now reaping blessings that you didn't even ask for. And he went on to say that they spent three days in gathering of the spoil because it was so much. Now imagine, if they spent three days gathering the spoil, now can you now estimate the number, the sheer number of people that actually came against them? If they spent three days packing the gold on their bodies, and verse 26 and on the fourth day they assembled themselves in the valley of Beraka for there they blessed the Lord see another round of praise now because the manifestation has come therefore the name of the same place was called the valley of Beraka you see calling that place a name 
that was their monument. So it's like they set up a monument there. That was their altar that they built in that place. Which means that when they get into trouble again, in the future, they will call upon the name of the Lord from that altar and rehearse what God had done at that place. And verse 27, Then they returned, every man of Judah and Jerusalem, and Jehoshaphat in the forefront of them, to go again to Jerusalem with joy. For the Lord had made them to rejoice over their enemies. And they came to Jerusalem with psalteries and harps and trumpets unto the house of the Lord. Now look at verse 29. And the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries. When they had heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel. Did you see that? They heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel. Hallelujah. Amen. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet for his God gave him rest round about. So in this whole story, what was the principal weapon? Praise. Praise. That was the principal weapon. Praise. You saw that as they were praising him, the Lord kicked into motion. And all that happened there was the activity of God. Let us quickly read another example of people praising God and us seeing and them witnessing a turnaround. Let's go to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. So, Acts chapter 16, we'll read from verse 16. It says, And it came to pass as we went to prayer, that's Paul and his um, entourage, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this she did many days. But Paul, being grieved and turned, and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when our masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them unto the marketplace, unto the rulers, and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city, and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up against them. And the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, so you see they were powerless, they were being beaten, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. So they tied them down with chains on their legs. In the inner prison, that's there was no humanly possible way in which you could escape from that prison. Bible now says, verse 25, and at midnight, Paul and Silas they prayed and sang praises unto God, 
and the prisoners heard them. Two people, they sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. So it was not silent praise. They were praising God and singing and jubilating before God. And verse 26. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were shaking. And immediately all the doors were opened. And everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, and sprang in, and came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out, and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? That was the prisoner that locked them up and fastened them in stocks. Now prostrating before them that what must I do to be saved? So you see here that at the midnight hour when nothing could have been done, they began to pray and then they began to sing praises unto God. Earthquake came the doors flung open supernaturally and their bands were loosened supernaturally. But there was something I want to bring out of that story. As soon as these people noticed that their bands were loosed and the doors were opened, guess what? They didn't run away. Because the bands were loosed, doors were opened, God has answered our prayer now. Boy, let's make a dash. They didn't run. Then the jailer now came and he said, the jailer wanted to kill him. He said, no, no, don't kill yourself. We're all here. We're not running away. So it meant that they praised God to a point that their faith in God was so strong that even when the doors had flung open, they didn't run. They did, and they knew it was God who did it. It was God who opened the doors. It was God who created the earthquake. But they didn't run away. What lesson do I want to bring out of this? Many of many people, not us, when they believe God for something and it is already done, you know what they do? They run away from God. And you see, spiritually, that is actually idolatry. Where you are seeking God for something. You are praying, seeking God for something. And as soon as that thing has manifested, we don't see you again in the house of God. So it meant that they were there for that reason. And that is not the kind of relationship that God wants to form with us. That as you are praising Him, is lo- your love for Him transcends the thing that you have believed Him for. Hallelujah. Amen. I know a particular person. When he was believing God with his wife for the fruit of the womb, they moved from one church and they moved to another church. And anytime I saw this guy, he will always speak highly of this man of God. Have you heard him? Oh, that miracles are happening there. He will talk about it. After two sons, this guy was no longer 
shouting that testimony he was now duping people on the streets why because it was cool but he wasn't doing that at the time that he was up against the wall at the midnight hour that wasn't what he was doing but because he had gotten what he wanted out of God pew, he was out so Paul, they didn't run out they didn't bail they stood there majestically and they got the guy born again and then they left hallelujah so after you have praised him you are ready to stand in his presence even after the thing has been handed over to you you will stay there in his presence and worship him with those things you see Jehoshaphat after they came back what did they do they worshiped God do you know the reason why they had to be taking the gold of those people's clothes do you know why I'll tell you why when they were to worship God if you go and read the sequence they drop their earrings and you know that jewelry at a place where those things will be burnt they kill animals so some of those things were to be used as currency to buy livestock that they're going to use for sacrifice some of those things were to be offered to God as offering so that's why anytime they went to battle they took those things of the dead soldiers because that became their possessions that they would then use in worshipping God in his presence you notice said, oh yeah, put off your earrings put off those things and they will burn them you know, they, you know they will cast them down as offering they will bring lambs they bring all sorts of things so there was activity going on so it meant that all those things that stood as the object of their victories they brought them back into the presence of God to use as items of worship so it means that everything that God has done for you everything that God has given you is to be brought back into God's presence to use as items and tools of worship so that miracle that God gave you you will bring it back into the presence of God and use it as a tool of worship you use it as a tool of blessing to bless somebody else when you give a testimony to bless somebody else when you are talking about it to encourage somebody else when you are talking about it that is worship to thank God for it so when we raise that thanksgiving song your mind will go back to it that ah man see what God did for me that day your mind will go back to it so you are using it to worship God hallelujah so praise is powerful and as we praise him we will then go into a realm where the activity of God knows no limit hallelujah let us build that into our personal schedules amen did you get something out of what we shared today so I'll just stop here for today. Amen. Amen.